This podcast is brought to you by 3B, the mental wellbeing company, hosted by Claire and Sue, co-founders of 3B. When you've got your wellbeing mojo on, you're firing on all cylinders, you're accepting of whatever comes your way, you're being resilient. We believe that one size does not fit all, and we want you to discover your own wellbeing mojo. So join us on our podcast journey where we'll be exploring the many different aspects of mental well-being. And hopefully, you can learn what you need to get your well-being mojo on. This week's podcast features an extract from our weekly radio show, Let's Talk Well-Being. Joe Howard. Welcome, Joe. Hello. Thank you very much for having me in. Oh, yeah. We're delighted to have you. We're really excited to sort of dig in and, and, and speak to you and have our interview. And that's going to be coming up in a moment. But I'll just let everybody know what we're going to be doing today. So we're going to be chatting with you, Joe, obviously. And um, we've got your well-being tune coming up. And it, it's always a good one, but it's a particularly good one guaranteed yes. to get you dancing yeah okay so stay tuned for that and then in our second hour we're going to be talking well, we're going to be continuing our chats about our emotional wealth series aren't we Claire we are we really love our emotional wealth I know it's really interesting and think uh, sets a new light on things and Joe's going to take part in that as well I know that's going to be really exciting so today we're going to be talking all about practicing gratitude and how practicing gratitude on a daily basis can really boost our emotional resilience and really help us to top up that bank of self that we always talk about with our emotional wealth. So, without further ado, let's have a chat with Joe. Okay, Yay. so Joe, I've got some information here about you that I'm going to read out if that's okay. That's fine. <laughs> it says here that you are an advanced hypnotherapist and mindfulness practitioner and that you run something called the Happiness Club, which teaches people how to look after their mental health and emotional well-being. Uh, and on a personal level, you have two beautiful daughters, two gorgeous cats and one very naughty puppy. <laughs> very naughty puppy yes oh well we love our pets here at 3b so yeah it's kind of an extended family members sort of all included in the in the 3b family so um yeah welcome joe thank you so much for giving us your time this afternoon so there's so much i want to talk to you about and to ask you but yeah you've got this happiness club so i suppose to begin with what i'm fascinated by is you know why a happiness club and where where does this originate for you? What what happened at the beginning? Oh, I'm so glad we've got two hours. <laughs> okay, so so for me, um, happiness is the most important thing in life, bar none. Okay. Um, I believe that whatever the thing is that we want or don't want in our lives, whatever the thing is that we want to change, what we want in the having or not having or changing of that thing. What we're actually after is happiness, which for me makes happiness the most important thing in the world. Um, and I came to happiness, as a lot of people in my field do, from not being very happy. Um, 
and I came to therapy to being a therapist from coming through therapy and I started working with people one-to-one and got lots of people saying to me so if I could just put you in my pocket and take you home with me (laughs) if you could just sit on my shoulder permanently and just be there when I you know just whisper in my ear when I need a, a word of advice that would be great and obviously, at the time, my children were Diddy, so I couldn't actually move in with lots of <laughs> other people. Um, so I knew that I needed to find a way to be there more consistently for my one-to-one clients. Yeah. I was also doing a lot of networking at the time and meeting lots of people locally who who were interested in the work that I was doing but couldn't afford to pay for therapy. Um, and I run a business. Um And I was meeting lots of people nationally who wanted therapy, but obviously weren't on my doorstep. So I needed to find a way to be able to help all those different groups of people. And it kind of all exploded in my brain one evening watching telly as these things do. And I sat bolt upright and said, oh, it's a club, it's a club, (laughs) it's an online club. And I can give them something every single day for them to hold on to. For those people that can't afford full-blown therapy, it'll be something, it'll be a lifeline. Some of the members do describe it as a lifeline, which fills my heart. Um, It'll be something for them to hold on to. For those people that live hundreds of miles away, there's no geographical uh, restriction. And for those one-to-one clients who are getting that more in-depth work with me, but actually it's something for them to have just, it's me in their pocket every day, just going, hello, hello, it's all right have a look at life like this today try this technique today um, think about things like this try and see it like this just something every day I, I very cheesily describe the club as me putting my arms around the members every single morning and going it's all right I've got you I've got you we'll get through this until tomorrow and then I've got you again wow I love that. I do. I love that. Yeah. I love we, we like cheese anyway. Oh, lots yeah. of cheese. Yeah. 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 <laughs> cheese and crackers. Cheese. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, oh, there's so much in there, isn't there? What you're touching on there is this, it's kind of like stripping all of this stuff back for me into its very simple, basic thing that this is what we're all after. We're all after that bit of reassurance, aren't we? Absolutely. You know, and we're all after just, like you say, another voice, maybe an alternative voice to the one that's playing out in our head or, you know, other voices we may have in our lives, external voices. And, yeah, we just want that little bit of reassurance. We all just want a big hug. I think so. I'm a big hugger, um, and I think that's a huge part of it. But I think also it's it's reassuring because I'm very honest, we, we release these things in the club every day, called, we call them daily strategies. Okay. And they're literally, um, they might be a straightforward mindfulness technique, it might be a story about my life or one of the team's lives, because I'm not the only one that writes them. Um, it's given us some kind of insight or learning or new perspective that we want to share. And um, those come out in writing, but they also come out as short videos. The videos are never more than about three minutes long because who's got time yeah. in this busy world, right? But for me, I'm really honest in my daily strategies about things that I'm experiencing in my life. So for the members, I think it's reassuring to see that other people <laughs> experience all these amazing, challenging, difficult, beautiful things that make up life right? We all experience them. And we all get different insights from experiencing those things. So it's, it's a, it's a way of reassuring people that 
that they're not the only one that thinks like that and that they're not the only one that faces that difficulty and they're not the only one that really can't work out how to get through this situation mm. and that we're all doing the best we can absolutely 100% every single day um, and and that's okay. And, and that's it, isn't it? I think we can have people say to us, you know, kind of, oh, it's not just you, everybody else is. But there's something about kind of believing that. And it seems that what you're doing there is you're revealing that to people and actually showing them, you know, that, look, yeah. you know, it's we're not here to kind of, you know, worship gurus or sort of say, which we often in the well-being industry, you know, people are put onto pedestals and platforms and, you know, they come out. Claire and I have been to loads of events, haven't we, where we've sort of everybody else has been like really euphoric. and We've sort of been standing there going no this isn't this isn't doing anything for me because it's kind of a person you know doing what you know doing their thing and bringing their thoughts and skills and talents but doing it in a way that's sort of very do what I'm doing and you two will be like me which for me opens up the potential for people to feel like they're doing something wrong if it doesn't work for them that's it exactly and I think what what you're saying is it's look look you know we're all different and yet we've all got this collective sort of thing that's going on we've all got struggles we've all got great days we've all got bad days and that life isn't meant to be as we often say on the show it's not meant to just be on an even keel you know on that sort of straight line but I think that's our perception of it maybe you know as we kind of grow up and we start out and then we think that we're doing something wrong well and I think I mean for a lot of my life I felt very much I believed that I was wrong mm -hmm. in some way um, I was, I used to, you know, I was the whole, I was broken. Nobody's broken if you're listening to this. You're Absolutely not broken not. in mm, the yeah. slightest. Um, and you're not wrong. There's nothing wrong with you. Um, but I believe that for a lot of my life. And I can remember the very first therapy session I ever had. And I was a total cynic. I was a complete sceptic. I thought it was a load of bunkum. But I was in a really dark place and I didn't know what else to do. And the first thing my therapist said to me, was so tell me Joe tell me what's wrong with you and I started reeling off all these million things that I believed were wrong with me <clears throat> and he held his hand up and he said can I can I would it be okay if I answered for you and I said okay thinking oh my word what's he already seen in five minutes that's so obviously glaringly wrong with me and he said nothing there's nothing wrong with you. You've just learnt some beliefs that aren't doing you any favours and we can sort those out. And I think I burst into tears at the yeah. utter relief I'm sure. of, yeah. of realising that, that there wasn't anything wrong with me. Not, I didn't fully believe him at the time, obviously. No, but to hear that. But to hear that. professional. Yeah, that's it, know, exactly. And to get that insight. Yeah. Wow, Claire. So I think we can both empathise, can't we? Absolutely. Yeah, it's like similar journeys, and I think that's the best thing is you've gone through it, so you can empathise with those people. I love the pocket Joe. <laughs> we all want the pocket Joe <laughs> to just be like they're championing us on. <laughs> yeah, that's brilliant. Because very often I have a little devil on my shoulder who speaks louder than my angel most of the time, and it's like learning to deal with that. But I can so I can so see where you're coming from. Like that was me as well as something wrong with me. Oh, I've got to change, I've got to try and fit in. And like what Sue was saying before, when you've got people who are standing there going, You too can be like me, 
you sort of go, oh, yeah, yeah, that's what I want to be like. And then it doesn't fit because that's not actually, I'm not them. I'm somebody different. That's We're all it. different. That's it, totally. I think one of the biggest compliments I ever got from a, a member of the Happiness Club, she joined and she'd been joined for about two weeks and she sent me this message just to say how much she was enjoying the club. And she said, the best bit, she said, is you're so normal. <laughs> Uh, okay, cool. <laughs> I, I am actually a normal person. Yeah, That's, but to me that was the hugest compliment yeah. because yeah. Yeah. exactly what, what you've been saying, yeah. right? We're all yeah. different. We're all we're all different. We're all the same. We all experience the same kind of things in different ways, mm. and that's okay. It's all okay. You you are exactly who you are, and I hundred percent promise you're doing the best you can do every single day. Mm. Lots of people don't believe me when I say that, and I say, but you are because if you could be doing anything else or any better, mm. whatever better is, you would be. You'd be doing it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? I mean, where where does this all come from? There's something very deeply... I mean, I think human beings, are, we're flawed, aren't we? But we're also wonderful and we have all this potential. And, you know, and, but I think we're, we're very susceptible, aren't we, to these messages that are kind of programmed into us from an early point. And then there's all the external stuff that's going on that's kind of all the aspirational things all the things that as we say we think we should be doing with our lives and it's hard to kind of filter through all that and that's where obviously having someone like pocket joe um <laughs> this is a thing now it you is. do realize yeah. that that's my new name that should be <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> do you remember pocket joe yeah <laughs> sorry <laughs> no i think that's it isn't it it's kind of that those reminders and and as we know at 3b you know the work we do with with our clients and and with groups is is to sort of, as you said at the start, to help them build techniques, supportive strategies, to remind ourselves that, you know, we got this, we can do this. And that's the work, isn't it? That's the work that nobody tells you about. That's it, but it, and it's ongoing. And mm. I mean, I think that's one of the most important things that I've learned over the last lots of years that I've been doing therapy, um, is that um, it's ongoing, we're never done. And and I don't. I, I used to think about that and think, oh, crikey, how are we? Ne- oh my word, am I ever going to be normal? Um, but um, but now I find that exciting. Yeah. Right. That I'm. At, uh, there's so much for me to learn. So many different ways for me to grow and develop and expand my experience. Can't wait to find out what they are. And I know that I haven't got it all perfectly right now, and I know that I'm going to have challenging situations, but I also know now, which I didn't many years ago, that every single one of those challenging situations is going to show me something else about myself that I didn't know before. It's going to give me the opportunity to learn something I didn't know before. I've literally just finished writing next week's daily strategies, my daily strategies for the club next week, and one of them was about breaking down on the motorway I've just been away for the weekend with my daughters and we broke down on the motorway and I'm not a mechanic I'm not technical in the slightest we broke down because my car ran out of water (laughs) oops oops a daisy (laughs) right we broke down because my car ran out of water Um, and we spent about an hour we were literally 15 minutes down the M62. We'd hardly left home. Oh, dear. And um, we spent about an hour stood on the hard shoulder before everything got sorted out. And when we got back in the car, my youngest daughter, who's 12, said to me, oh, we've wasted a whole hour, Mummy. And I said, but we haven't, my sweetheart. 
what have we learned in that hour, right? What have I learned? I've learned that I need to check if my car has water in it before I leave home, right? I've done about four journeys since I've checked every single time (laughs) that my car has enough water in it. Okay, I've learned that I need to check my oil every... I've learned, I mean, I reeled off the things that I'd learned to her and I've learned about eight or nine things just from that one experience. How awesome is that, that I got the opportunity Mm. to learn those things? I can look at it that way or I can go, oh my God, I'm stuck on the hard shoulder for an hour. That's my choice. And and this is what it's about, isn't it? And what you've described there very perfectly is actually a strategy for Mm. supporting our well-being. You've, You've done a reframe. Yeah, totally. And easy to say, not always easy to put into practice. And part of that is about the belief. It's about how we're feeling, maybe our mood. Maybe the people who are around us, whether they're kind of, you know, supporting that concept of the reframe, because, you know, the, the cynics, you, you mentioned at the beginning about being sceptical and a little bit cynical, you know, when you started your therapy. And I think when we come from there, it, we're always going to kind of question things. But the reframe is, is a really powerful strategy. It's one that we advocate a lot. And I know myself that some days I'm really able to do that really easily. I can just pull it out switch it around and like you say start listing all the the, the potential the possibilities the things you know to touch on what we're going to speak about later the things that i'm grateful for in a situation Um, and then other days it's harder isn't it do you still find that even though you're kind of working at this happiness thing on a daily basis absolutely because i'm a human being okay as aforementioned (laughs) um so yeah i still have days where i struggle 100 percent but the more I do, the more I do it, the more I do it, right? The more I yeah. reframe things, the more, I mean, the other, one of the key learnings from that whole situation was, and it wasn't a learning, it was a remembering more than anything, was that everything passes, right? Mm. We weren't going to be stood. Yes, it was unpleasant. It was the weekend of the heat wave. Oh, it was goodness. unbelievably hot. Mm. Stood on the hard shoulder with two teenagers who were not impressed that we were standing <laughs> on the hard shoulder of the motorway. Um, but... But one of the things I knew we wouldn't be stood there for the rest of our lives. We were going to be stood there for another 10 minutes, another half an hour, another 40 minutes, another however long it was. At some point, we were going to be back in the car and on our way. And I knew that. So, but actually consciously saying to myself, this isn't going to be the rest of my weekend. This is just going to be as long as it takes for the man to come and help and put the water in and for me to realise that I should have put water in first and all of that, right? But it's temporary. It's all temporary. Even when something's lasting weeks and weeks and months and months, it's temporary. Mm. I I just, I love that because I think what you're saying very much so is you keep practicing something, you keep trying something, it gets easier Mm. and it does become easier to do. What I also, I wanted to take you back to what you were saying before about, you know, how you know, we're always learning, we're always on this, because we're on this journey. Something I saw um, was on social media, was somebody posted, if you've known, did you, if you knew me for the first 20 years of my life, but you've not known me since, that was just sort of like season one. <laughs> <laughs> so like, I'm now in season three, I'm a completely different person, yeah. and I think that's the whole thing, isn't like it? We, we are changing all the time, so that's why it's a constant journey because otherwise you'd be stagnant because you're not going to change, you're not going to develop. And that's the whole point. And I think something else you said was really key. We often get people going, I don't know who I am. 
well actually what you're saying it well we're always learning about ourselves so it's about listening to ourselves but we're always learning about ourselves isn't it yeah. sort of like that's really important to do yeah 100% and and it's a big part of the learning and what we i mean what we're taught to do it's amazing isn't it it's amazing how any of us make it through to be honest but what we're taught to do from when we're diddy is listen to the grown-ups around us not to ourselves we, we you know we're actively told to listen to the grown-ups around us we're punished for not listening to the grown-ups around us right we're told off for not listening to what other people say about our lives and obviously a lot of that time I have two children I totally get it a lot of the time it's with the best intentions and trying to keep your children safe because that's your role as a parent but also it becomes automatic and then we wonder why we grow up and we spend our lives looking for permission to do things and to be who we want to be and to live the lives we want to live because uh, because we're we're hearing the nudges we're hearing our our gut our instinct tell us do this do that and we're not trusting it because we're not taught to trust it because we're taught how to be by the people around us mm. so it's that human condition thing isn't it it's like complete paradox of and then we grow up and listen to all the gurus who say listen to yourself <laughs> i don't know how to listen to myself <laughs> nobody taught me how to do that <laughs> You're listening to Let's Talk Wellbeing with Claire and Sue. Wow, Joe! so much of what you're saying here just resonates with a lot of what we talk about at 3B. Um, it, it made me think about our three Bs, actually, Claire. You know, mm. the kind of the be, believe, and the breathe. You know, it's sort of, those are our, that's like our philosophy for life, for work, for what we're trying to do, you know, here with the radio and sort of, and the podcast and give a platform to these things, you know. So be is about kind of learning to be yourself and also, but also accepting and being okay with wherever you are, you know, you've got your kind of, you believe, what is it am I believing about myself? What do I need to believe? And then the breathe is obviously the, have you taken some time for you today? Or are you just in that constant doing, doing, hamster wheel, whirlwind? What do you think about the three Bs, Joe? I do they love resonate? that, excuse me. <coughs> I love that, that's perfect. That describes the whole thing, right? <laughs> be, absolutely, be. All we ever have is right now. That's all we've ever got. And instead of being where we are right now, we spend our lives living in the past or fretting about the future instead of being where we are right now. That's, that's fundamental to this kind of work. Accepting, like you say. For me, the whole thing starts with awareness. It's the absolute key to life, the universe and everything is awareness. Without it, you, how do you do anything? How do you change anything? How do you grow at all? And but then the next step to awareness is acceptance is your be right is and again what we do as human beings is we fight against it something's happening that we don't want to be happening 
<laughs> so we go, no, I don't want you to be happening. Go away. And we push against it and we fight it and we resist it. And that's where the pain is. That's for the noise on the microphone. That's me punching my own hand. Um, but that's <laughs> very the, gently, just, very to, gently, know, just to demonstrate. Obviously. Yeah. Um, but that, you know, that's where the suffering is. That's where the pain is when we push against what's happening. When you learn to accept, and I am still learning, but when you learn to accept what's occurring, what you're experiencing, it doesn't mean you have to like it. It doesn't mean you roll over and become a doormat. It just means that you understand that this is what I'm experiencing now. This is the ebb and flow of life. And if there's flow, there's got to be ebb. And that's what I'm going through right now. But with the beautiful stuff that Claire and Sue teach me, I know that I can come through the other side of this, right? Or whoever your teacher is. But I know that I've got skills and tools and techniques that are going to help me to come through this. And the sooner you can get yourself into acceptance, the sooner you can access those tools and strategies that will help you move through whatever it is that you don't want to be experiencing instead of pushing against it. Does that make sense? I'm totally... <laughs> totally. So I'm, I'm, I'm like, you know, I'm just like, yeah, I love that. Just... I think you're very articulate, but I th that, I don't know why, but some, it's, something's just clicked in my head when you said that. Oh, good. So uh -oh. thank you for that. <laughs> it did, because it's sort of like, you're right, it's when we push against something where, what it made me think about us, it's a conversation me and Sue have had when we were going like, lean into it. Mm. What, what does that mean and we have this whole big conversation and it feels like that that's what you're mm. saying you go in rather than fighting against it lean into it accept it mm. and actually it stops becoming as much of a struggle there may be still obviously there's going to be emotions that maybe are difficult but it's not going to be as hard and you're probably not going to be as stressed because you're accepting it that, that's the whole fundamental of resilience, isn't it? Yeah, totally. You accept what is, yeah. and then you can move forward from there. Absolutely. And for me, acceptance goes hand in hand with allowing. They kind of feed off each other. And for me, when I'm talking about allowing, I'm talking about the emotions involved, right? Because again, from being small children, don't cry. You know, stop crying. Let me give you a hug and give you a tissue or whatever strategy I'm going to use as a parent to stop you crying or to do don't be angry don't shout at your sister don't you can tell that I heard that in my <laughs> past um but do you know what I mean we're, we're yeah. taught to stop those hesitating to use the word negative because I don't really like the word negative but we're taught to t we're taught to stop those difficult emotions those challenging emotions and so then as we grow we don't think we're supposed to it's not the right thing to feel that well every single one of your emotions is valid every single one of your emotions has a message for you every single one of your emotions is there for a reason and the more you accept and allow them to be there and allow yourself to move through them the quicker you find it you you go through them the easier you find it to handle them um, to feel them to allow yourself to feel them is perfectly okay. I wrote a daily strategy for the Happiness Club members last week about um, one evening last week I felt incredibly sad about a particular thing that's happening in my life right now. So I sat and I allowed myself to cry. Crying is just a release. Um, that's all it is. It's a release of energy because your emotions are energy. When you're experiencing a difficult emotion you've got challenging energy moving through you. It's supposed to move through you. So allow yourself to feel it and allow yourself to release it. And then it's gone. Once I cried, I felt amazing. 
But if I tried to stop myself or tried not to feel it, tried not to allow it, then I'm cr- it's building up inside me then, right? You can cry. You made me like that. <laughs> you got me dead emotional. No, I, I went with Which my pocket as well. <laughs> Sorry, pocket Joe. You're coming with me as well. <laughs> but no, you have. You because because I'm totally on board with what you're saying. It's like you're in my head, and I just think exactly, exactly what you've just said. People need to hear that more. I'm glad our listeners can hear that because it's. I, I think it's vital, and I think that needs to be spread much more. It's a really key message. I, I think this idea of... I never thought about that as a strategy, actually. You know, allow yourself to cry. I mean, we talk about it. We talk about it as something that we would encourage people to do. But to actually name it as a strategy, you know, allowing... I think that's, I think that's brilliant. But it's... But, but from... I don't, um, yes, is it a strategy? I guess it is a strategy. It's, it's just... The strategy is allowing whatever the emotion is, right? Yeah. So if you feel, my children, my children are teenagers, so they're embarrassed about me anyway. Um, but I am mortifyingly embarrassing I'm to sure. them at the moment. Yeah. Because, because if we're in a supermarket and a song comes on that I like, I will sing it. I will dance to it. My 12-year-old is like, oh, mother, please stop. Um, if I feel joy, I will allow myself to feel joy as often as I possibly can, mm. right? If I feel sad, I will allow myself to feel sad. If I feel angry, I will allow myself to feel angry. I don't take it out on the people around me all the time. Sometimes I do because I'm a human being, as aforementioned. But um, whatever I'm experiencing, I'm allowing myself as often and as much as I possibly can to experience it. Yeah. That's what it's there for. I'm really glad that you've, I mean, you've mentioned about your children and I'm really glad you mentioned about sort of young people because there's something about what you're describing there about allowing. It kind of takes us back to very early childhood and in most cases, as a child, you know, we don't have any of these preconceptions or these this understanding about I'm not supposed to be like this mm-hmm. because we're just being, aren't we? We're just we're experiencing the joy, we're experiencing the sadness, you know, the hurt. And you know, and the, the little, you know, the little details. It's kind of, and then somewhere along the way, something happens, and we stop doing that, don't we? And we kind of start to unlearn that. And then, as you say, you know, I mean, my, my stepdaughter's fourteen, and it's sort of, yeah, you kind of, you know, and, and my son is, you know, in early twenties, and they're kind of just sort of starting to realise a lot of this other stuff, and you kind of come through that. And I know that you do a lot of work with young people, don't you? Because you work in schools. And, you know, I don't know if you're, are you aware of like an article that came out recently that was sort of talking about mindfulness practices and the, a lot of the well-being work that was being done in schools. And it was sort of basically saying that it's not always having the impact because young people are not being given the opportunity to practice these things. And I just wondered what you do, you know, when you're kind of going into schools and you're working with young people, you know, what, what do you do to sort of try and instill and encourage that practice within them? So, awesome, 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 awesome that you've brought up young people. Um, the schools programme, in every, my business has quite a lot of different strands to it, and in every strand, I realised quite recently, actually, that what I'm trying to do is help a younger version of myself. <laughs> it's utterly selfish. Um, with the schools programme, When we go into a school, we don't work with the children that are obviously struggling. 
um, we go in and we work with the whole school. Okay. So especially in primary schools, obviously secondary schools are a little more challenging to do that. But with primary schools, our main objective is to work with every single class and every single child in that class because there will be children in every single class who have a smile on their face who are experiencing something that you will never know that they're experiencing, that they'll never tell their teacher they're experiencing, that nobody in that school will probably ever know they are experiencing, which was absolutely me when I was younger. And my main aim isn't to reach the, you know, in a class of 35 kids, you've probably got seven or eight who hang off your every word, you've got seven or eight who don't listen to what you're saying, and the rest are somewhere in between. And I'm not trying to talk to those seven or eight who are hanging off my every word and I'm not trying to talk to the seven or eight who'll never hear what I'm saying I'm trying to talk to all the kids in between because in the in that group there's at least one child that is experiencing something that they don't want to be experiencing and that needs some help but will never ever ask for it that's the kid I'm trying to help when we go into school I'm going to make myself cry now um <laughs> but but so for me it's our school's program is incredibly practical um, we don't train the teachers. There's a lot of mindfulness programs out there which are awesome that train the teachers to then teach the kids or to build it into their lesson plans. And that's ace. Awesome. Also putting a hell of a lot more pressure on the teachers who are already under a lot of pressure. Um, so we absolutely go into the schools physically ourselves and we teach the kids directly ourselves. And we teach them a range of really simple mindfulness-based practical tools and techniques and we go in one day a week for four weeks and over that four weeks we recap everything every week we go in we we recap everything that we've already taught them we set them challenges to do in between the weeks so that when we come back in you know so who did what I asked you to do last week tell me how it came out practically so by the end of the four weeks they've actually been using the techniques for a month before we leave the school and then we teach the teachers what we've taught the kids and over the course of the four weeks, um, we purposely leave the teachers till the end because what they've seen over the four weeks, because the teachers are in the room with us, they've seen us jumping around like crazy things and being silly and playful and messing about with the kids. And then we get to the end and we teach them the thinking behind it. And without fail, when we get to that teacher training session, there are teachers in there who've sat in on every single session who might have joined in might not have joined in but when we get to the teacher training we can see the light bulbs go up oh that's why you did that oh i see oh actually oh there's quite oh there's quite clever things behind all of this so it's a really practical and and the point of our schools program is we ask the school to continue it you know we don't say don't get us in for four weeks and then go right well that was lovely what should we do now kids right you keep doing what we've taught you to do keep using these exact same techniques because as we've already discussed the more you use them the more you use them and the more you use them the more they become second nature i had when i set the schools program up i had this vision of a generation of kids growing up with this stuff just second nature just to know what to do when they feel like this, or to know how to bring themselves through a difficult situation, or to know that as they're experiencing something, it's temporary. You've wound me up and let me off now. Cece. It's fine. So we'll just as, keep going. As, as before, so much of what you're saying really relates to conversations Claire and I have frequently. You know, our emphasis at 3B is, is about prevention. Mm. You know, we're all about the people that we work with. It's sort of, let's, let's give you the tools to prevent 
you know, the burnout, to prevent the extreme stress, to prevent going down, you know, a a more serious sort of mental health situation. And actually, you know, I know we're both passionate about it, Claire, particularly so about about working with young people. And, And I think your vision, I think it's absolutely appropriate. It's what we need, you know, for our age, for whatever reason, I think... Do you think that people are kind of more ready to hear these messages at this point in time? Oh, that's an interesting question. I think a lot of people are. I think a lot of people never will be. Mm. Um, But yes, a lot of people are more open. A lot of people are where I was when I was 25 and I had therapy for the first time. They don't really, they're a bit sceptical, but they don't really know what else to do. So they'll have a listen. and I, yeah, f- for me, it's about making it as simple and ac- as accessible as possible for as many people as mm. possible, which is why that compliment about me being normal was so brilliant. Mm. Because I think a lot of people couch this stuff in terms that sound highfalutin and grand and yeah. awfully clever and intelligent. Um, which obviously I am, but Very clearly. obviously, um, <laughs> but I'm a normal person. So I talk to people as if they're normal people yeah. because guess what they are. Yeah. So then you make it accessible for people. You make it reachable for everybody. And, and that's and that's exactly how it should be, you know. And I think well, I hope that the conversations that we have on the show, you know, kind of enable people to sort of get that insight and to go, oh, that's why that's going on. Or, oh, if that happened for them, then maybe it can happen for me, Mm. you know, and and people can be inspired by. And, you know, one of the phrases we're fond of using is that one size does not fit all, you know, when it comes to any of this. And the other thing is that we change and something that might have worked for us, you know, when we were younger or just last week might not work for us today. You know, because I'm I'm constantly working on myself, constantly evolving. We're constantly in in new situations. And then the other thing, of course, the other fantastic thing about doing all of this and opening yourself up to all of these strategies and ways of thinking is that suddenly something that you learned a little while ago will become relevant. That maybe at the time you thought, oh, I'm not sure about that. You know, and Claire and I again have had lots of conversations with that, and we've seen it happen with ourselves and with the people that we work with haven't we yeah very much so and I think it is I think there's things that go on in your head and it's sort of like I'm ready for that now and some people aren't and like you say some people never will be and you know that is a shame but if somebody's not on board with something now it doesn't mean that they've not heard it and then at some point they might go yeah I think I remember something about that I might look into that more because they're ready they're open for it at that point we all commit at the the right time I actually think what you're doing with the schools is it's fundamental I think it's brilliant what you're doing because I think that whole thing about hopefully they're going to grow into these adults who are able to understand themselves and work through things and be more emotional I understand that emotion and you know just be who they really are and I think what you're doing it sounds just sounds fantastic I'm really on board with this I just I love the fact that this is what you're doing I love the fact that the teachers are like ah oh, that's the reason for that now yeah I get it because that, that those light bulb moments are brilliant you know that they can see 
it that way round rather than we're going to teach you this first and then maybe you can see it the other way around I think sometimes is more impactful it is and I think there's a general trend I think I mean my children at 12 and 14 now <clears throat> are a thousand times more emotionally intelligent than I was when I was their age a thousand times I think the, the whole world that we live in now sounds like a proper old person now. My children do call me grandma on a regular basis. <laughs> but, um, you know, the access to information that our kids have now is is a bonus and a challenge at the same time, isn't it? Yeah. But the bonus of it for me is that they generally are... The conversations that my 14-year-old has with her friends, I wasn't even having in my 30s, Right. So th they are much more aware, much more emotionally intelligent on a general level anyway. So the more that we can give them to, um, to boost that, the better surely absolutely and i think it's like enabling them to tap into it yeah. and to kind of when they're ready obviously mm. um and i think i mean i'm very hopeful you know for kind of future generation i really am because because of a lot of the, the reasons that you've shared there i think they are i think that i think they're doing a lot of creative stuff and they're using it and they're asking a lot of really difficult questions about the world and yeah. how it is and why it's the way it is that's it and i think that you know hopefully with programs like this and with opportunities to kind of learn about themselves early on, as you say, it'll be a whole different sort of generation that, that kind of grows up and well-being and mental well-being and how that's dealt with will be, will be different in the future because it will just be part of what we do to take care of ourselves. And I think that's where we're heading, right? Mm. That's absolutely where we're heading. I, I, I really think so. I really hope so. Our time is flying by. We did have a bit of a, a late start, we know. Um, I'd love to sort of ask you about your song, Joe. So my song is um, Signed, Sealed, Delivered by Stevie Wonder. Oh, it's fab. Because, just literally because, it makes me want to dance. And it feels, I love Stevie Wonder, and it fills me with joy. That's it. That's it. Okay, so let's have a boogie. Stevie Wonder coming up. That was an extract from our radio show, Let's Talk Wellbeing. You can listen in every Thursday between 12 and 2 on HCR 92.3 FM or online on hcr923fm.com.